Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. For 15 years, Special Olympics has been delivering life-changing impact with intervention through developmental play for children with and without intellectual and developmental disabilities, or IDD, ages two to seven through its Young Athletes Program. Today, our guest Rebecca will share her experience in really developing tools that this IDD community might need. Rebecca Ralston is the Senior Director of Early Childhood and Preventative Health at Special Olympics International and oversees the global strategic development of Special Olympics preventative health programming, including execution of young athletes, early childhood, families, fitness, and prevention programming. Ms. Ralston has been with Special Olympics for over 10 years and has over 15 years of experience implementing national and global nonprofit interventions with a focus on early childhood health. Thanks so much for joining our podcast, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. Really excited to be here and share a little bit more about the work that we're doing. Yes, and I agree. Your work is fascinating. It's exciting. (laughs) It's rewarding. All those good things. But I always like to start at the beginning of your journey. Could you describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student? Yes, definitely. Such a good question. I actually had to just think back on all the amazing teachers and amazing experiences that I've had throughout my educational experience. And one really came to mind that ultimately sort of brought me to Special Olympics in some ways. I'm from Utah originally, so I was in high school during the 2002 Olympics. Many of the schools around me canceled class and, you know, they had to make it up in the summer. But our school, instead of doing that, decided to shift the academic focus to be about the Olympics and learning about what took place during the Olympics, everything from safety and security to venue management to food operations to coaching and all of the components, government relations, everything that really takes place as part of the Olympics. It was really an ins and outs experience. And I had the chance to really focus on the cultural and community impact of the Olympics. And it was really the first time for me to see sport as a business and sport as something that I could live in and work in and and be a part of. And I just, you know, remember it being such a phenomenal experience for me and that chance to think and take my love of sport as an athlete myself and think about what it could be for me as a career and, and in the future. And so, you know, I take that experience and that chance to just think a little differently too about academics and, you know, not get so rigid and structured in the curricula and, and focused on we must have math and science and all of these things. But to say, let's take the opportunity with this large event that's happening in our community and how can we help our students, you know, understand and connect into the world around them. And so that was a really, really fun experience for me and a way for me to, you know, learn more about our world and this global world in sort of a local way. That sounds like such a unique opportunity. And I often like to say, oh, it takes a village, but I've seen the behind the scenes, like documentaries for the Olympics. It takes a city, like not just a village, right? (laughs) Yeah. The city shuts down basically for two plus weeks. And, And we were winter Olympics, which tends to be a little bit smaller too. Yeah, definitely. Now going from that experience, could you share your journey into becoming a part of the Special Olympics team? What got you into that field? Yeah. So I think that was really a starting moment for me again, to see sport as a career. 
I was an athlete in high school and college, a swimmer and then a rower in college. And I have always loved the way that sports makes me feel and the connection in terms of what I get personally from being able to feel like I'm successful, being able to feel healthy and just being able to make connections with teammates, compete and feel that feeling of success. And I think at a really early age, I knew that I wanted to be able to bring that feeling to other people. So I had the opportunity to go to grad school, really focused in that world of sports. But I always knew that I wanted to use the power of sport for social good and really think about how we can connect what's happening in this really amazing world of sport and bring that connection to people around the world. And I had happened to volunteer with Special Olympics when I was in college and after college. And when I moved to D.C., it was the first place that I was like, I need to get connected with Special Olympics and really wanted to see just in any way I could be involved. And that was about 13 years ago now. And I've been there in a variety of different capacities since then and really just taking that passion of sport and being able to build into roles in programming and our health and early childhood work to really expand that impact and ensure that we're connecting people into the world of sport. That's awesome. And that's also where my passion started with education was in college. And I eventually ended up being the president of a club that helps serve kids with disabilities in the whole community. So I really connect with what you all do at Special Olympics. And I wanted to take some time to really dig into what Special Olympics is, you know, like I think some people just see small clips about it or they hear some events in the news. Let's begin with who they serve, right? The term intellectual and developmental disabilities or IDD, what does it mean to you and also your teammates at Special Olympics? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, many people have this perception of Special Olympics and the work that we do. And we use the definition of the American Association of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities when we think about the population that we serve. And really, we're looking at individuals who have certain limitations in cognitive functioning and skills. So that could relate to conceptual, social, perceptual skills like language, social and self-care. And those limitations really cause a person to develop or learn a little bit slower or in different ways. And then sort of the other big piece to that is that an intellectual disability happens before somebody turns 22. So that's sort of the definition that we use as an organization to define who our audience is in terms of making sure that we're benefiting people with intellectual disabilities. I'll say one other thing to that, which I think is important is as an organization, We know we can't just provide services and supports to people with intellectual disabilities only because our community doesn't live in a vacuum. They live in their worlds and in their own communities. And so much of our programming, you'll hear we talk about inclusive programming. So it's bringing people with intellectual disabilities together with people without intellectual disabilities through sport, through leadership, through all of these different opportunities where we can help our community of people with intellectual disabilities thrive within their own communities. And that's really critical for us as an organization to make sure that we're not just having sport and you're getting a separate community over here, but we're really coming together as one community that includes people with intellectual disabilities. And something we always say is that we're not for people with intellectual disabilities, but we're by people with intellectual disabilities. So really including our population in the decision-making, in the leadership, and in how we're building our programming. 
I love that they're part of the decision-making because I mean, they have the most at stake of what you all do, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They are our stakeholders. We need to make sure that when we're thinking about programming and the work that we're doing, that we are led by our athletes. Yeah, that's great. Now, I know you've been with the program for over 10 years. How have you seen Special Olympics change over the past 15 years that they've existed? What are some milestones for the program that y'all are really proud of? Yeah, it's a great question. So Young Athletes, our early childhood program has been around for a little over 15 years, but as a movement, we've been around for for over 50 years and started in the backyard of Eunice Kennedy Shriver in the 60s. But really, I think a couple of things, you know, sport has consistently been the heart of our organization. We use sport as that, that unifying platform to bring joy, to bring skills, to bring opportunities to people with intellectual disabilities. And really over the last 15 years, I've seen such great growth in terms of the reach into new communities, but really also great evolution. You know, I think as an organization, we started just with this sport component, but really have started to think holistically about the lives of people with intellectual disabilities and how sport can be a catalyst for health and healthy development and access to healthcare, to education, you know, ensuring that people with intellectual disabilities have access to schools. We know that many don't. Opportunities for leadership, to be the voice, to get to be on a board, to get to be the decision makers in the room on how we move forward. And really, you know, that connection into community development. But as it relates specifically to our early childhood work, you know, we started with a program we call Young Athletes and started again about 15 years ago. And really the idea behind that was to start with a focus on helping parents play with their child with intellectual disabilities at home. And so it started really just as this one-on-one, what can I do to support development so that I can help what's happening in the classroom, that I can help what's happening in my child's therapies, but it can be fun. And it's a focus on gross motor skill development, so those big body movements, and and really just meant to be at that initial stage for families. But something that we saw really quickly was that schools and community centers like libraries and parks were so interested in taking this. You know, we know from an education perspective, we have this requirement around gross motor skills, but very little in terms of curriculum or or content in terms of how to implement that. And so we were seeing teachers really excited about bringing young athletes into the classroom and also figuring out how to support inclusion in various ways. And so, so we saw growth first to schools and communities and have seen really phenomenal impacts on motor skill development, but also social and cognitive skill development, really building some of those key foundational skills for our young students so that as they move into, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, they've got stronger academic understanding. They're able to sit in a classroom all day and be in that chair. You know, we're seeing great success in terms of ability to participate in sports teams. All of those really, again, really foundational skills. And then I'd say in terms of last change to note, you know, over the last four or so years, we've really started to think not just about young athletes as a program, but how we can take a really holistic approach to early childhood overall. And so motor skills we know is is really important for our athletes to participate in sport later on. 
but we're also thinking about school readiness. We're thinking about health and development. And so looking at not only providing that direct support and services to children through young athletes, but how can we make sure that children have access to healthcare screenings? We're identifying some of those potential health issues that could be a challenge for them as they get older, and then make sure they have access to care to follow up on those. And how can we support parents and, and educate parents on what does it mean to have a child with an intellectual disability? What, what do I do? Who do I talk to? And how can I get my child the right services and supports? And, and a lot of that is also getting access to school, getting the right supports, IEPs, all of that kind of thing that might be a new challenge for families as they're learning to deal with and come to terms with having a child with intellectual disabilities. Wow, that's so many milestones. It's amazing. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I couldn't just pick one. <laughs> I know. Well, I wasn't going to make you. And yes, over 50 years in Special yeah. Olympics and then 15 with the young athletes. I love how you are identifying that you want to start early. And also, I mean, I've seen a movement just in schools in general about this concept of community schools where you're treating the kid holistically, right? Not just in the academic sense, but also all of the other aspects of being a kid and learning and gross motor skills, social awareness, all of those other things too. So glad that y'all are encompassing that now more and more in your programs. Now, I know you've recently developed a new mobile app to support the needs of children with IDD, especially for the young kids and their families. Could you tell us more about that? How did that come to being? What sparked that idea? So we have had this vision for many years now, and, and we really keep hearing from families that there are so many challenges in that time of diagnosis. So, you know, you're a parent, maybe you hear it at birth or prenatally, maybe your child is starting to exhibit some symptoms or missed milestones as they're turning three or four. And it can be a really, really overwhelming experience. And, you know, we hear there's a lack of simplified information. If you go on Google and start to get deep into the dark web of things, there's so much information for families and so much of it is false and who do you trust and not sure where to go from there. It's a really overwhelming process. In many cases, there's a limit in services or there's excessive wait times that families are waiting. You know, if you need to see a specialist or a therapist, oftentimes those wait lists are six, seven, eight months long before families can get access to services. The other challenge that we've seen is is that a diagnosis isn't always delivered in the most positive way. We hear still to this day, hear families hear the words, I'm so sorry, your child has an intellectual disability, or your child's never going to amount to anything, or here are the things that they can't do. And it's just such a frustrating process. And we realize that, you know, we have this amazing tool through young athletes and this way for families to see their child be successful, you know, see their child kick a ball, see their child, you know, score a goal or make a basket. And we wanted to be able to find a way to bring that to more families. And the world is becoming more and more digital. So based on everything we saw from families and heard from our experience talking with other early childhood experts, we really saw this opportunity to build a mobile app and use our background as early childhood experts for children with intellectual disabilities to bring this intervention and this support to families around the world and really in a big way. And I think technology gives us that opportunity to do so in a big way. And so when we think about this app, our goal really 
really is to create a developmental experience for families and provide families with activities that really suit where their child is developmentally right now and help them progress to the next milestone. You know, if you think about some of the other apps that exist right now in early childhood, as soon as a child's missed a milestone, it's like, go to your doctor, something could be wrong. You need to check this out. And that's not the experience that we want to create. What we want to do is say, this is where your child is developmentally right now. And these are things that you can do at home to support your child in progressing to the next step. And so we provide a series of activities that align across developmental skill areas. So motor, social, language, and really look at what we can support at home, how that can parallel what's happening at school, and provide that family with something tangible that they can do. And we see it as a really strong way to support that development in a positive and an affirming environment. And we do so by asking a few questions so we can understand, again, in a positive way, where a child is developmentally, and then give them those activities across the developmental milestones to support that. In addition to our activity set, we have two other components of the app that I think really connect into the needs of what we're hearing from families. The first is that information about disability and about development for children with disabilities that is readable, easy to understand, but is scientific in nature and based on strong evidence so that we're ensuring that they have access to the tools and the right information but again, in a way that they can understand that's easy to follow and can really help families make the next steps that they need to for their family. And then finally, the third component of our app is really looking at the connection to other families. So how can they find a network? That's the top thing we hear from every family is how do I find other families who are going through this journey? How can I learn from them? How can I connect to them? and really build that network of support. Our family-to-family -family network is, is one of the strongest that we have in Special Olympics. And so helping to make some of that connection virtually and building out our opportunities to both digitally connect as well as make local connections. Wow, it really feels like you're leveraging all the benefits of technology for this app from community, connecting to people who live close to you, that personalized learning, the personalized feedback, and also just having all those resources at your fingertips must be so helpful for the families there. How has the response been from children and families using the app? We've had really phenomenal response thus far. We've just started piloting in four states across the U.S., but we're finding that families are really loving the focus on individualized activities and things that they can do at home. I think so often it's, it's therapy, therapy, therapy. I have another appointment, another appointment. And it takes a lot of the fun out of things. And so these are, it's activities, it's motor development, it's focus development, but it's done in a fun way. And we're just playing as a family. And it's a way to engage siblings so they can feel like they're a part of things. So we've heard really great feedback on that. And then I think the other piece has been the potential to connect with other families and the ability to bridge that digital with in-person experiences and, and being able to connect into their local Special Olympics program. Right. That opportunity to convert it into family bonding time, basically, it's a multifunctional activity now. Yeah. You know, it, being a sibling of a person with intellectual disabilities is often quite challenging. And 
so much of the focus is on the care of that sibling with ID that some siblings don't feel like it's about them. And, and when we have siblings come into our program at Young Athletes, you know, it's the first time that they get to be a part of things too. You know, it's not just going to sit while their sibling is at therapies, but it's, I get to go play now too, and we can play together. And sometimes, you know, they don't necessarily know how to interact or play with their sibling with ID. Maybe if they have more medical challenges, there's a discomfort maybe of not being sure how to play together. And so really using that opportunity to connect in and learn to play together. That's great. Now, taking all these learnings from how you develop this app, how do you think Special Olympics could leverage more ed tech tools in the future? That's a great question. I'd say twofold. So I think as it relates to this app in general, you know, one of our next steps as we continue out the development is building a school to home connection. So we're really looking for a way in our future iterations to connect in our educators so they can track their classes. They can share with parents the activities that they're doing in school so that they can help parents replicate them at home. But also, you know, give parents specific resources, specific activities based on what they're seeing in the classroom. We know teachers are often spending more time with their students than parents are. And so they're seeing a lot more of these delays in some cases. And so being able to sort of make that connection between what's happening in the school and our parents. And I'd say, you know, more broadly as an organization, In addition to our early childhood work, which lives within our K-12 and college program that we call Unified Champion Schools, and it focuses on bringing people with intellectual disabilities and people without together through sport and leadership as a way to benefit the whole school community. We've seen really strong impacts with that program on school climate and even academic outcomes like attendance. And one of the things that we've been doing and and really thinking hard about is how we bring technology into that experience. There's so much of our programming at Special Olympics that is, is beneficial because of that ability to connect to one another. And so we've been really using technology in unique ways throughout all of our school programming, whether it's fitness challenges and being able to compete against each other or social media as a tool to connect and share what you're doing in your school community with the broader school community at large. You know, I really think this is the way the world is going. And I think the COVID pandemic really pushed us in that direction as a whole. But we've seen really strong opportunities, I think, to take what we're doing in this unique inclusion experience that we create in Special Olympics and and bridge that globally bridge that through technology and really use that virtual experience to start to begin fostering that inclusion element. Yeah. And it's a twofold treat. You can expand the world for these kids with IDD, but you're also expanding the mindset of the kids and the educators and the parents who work with them using these technology tools, right? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Now it's so inspiring to hear And I know I'm excited to get involved. So what advice would you give to someone who is interested in supporting the IDD community or supporting Special Olympics? Where should they start? I think so many ways, but just the easiest is Special Olympics is a a global movement. So we have chapters, we call them programs in 250 state and country programs around the world. So every state in the U.S. has its own team ready to support and implement 
And I just encourage, you know, whether it's from volunteering at event or, or for our educators really thinking about ways in which you can bring Special Olympics into the classroom and focus on inclusion. So obviously I want everyone to uh, engage with Special Olympics in some way because we love our educators, we love our volunteers and, and all of the people that, that really support and make us run as an organization. But I think just broadly, I'd really encourage everyone to think about the ways that you can be more inclusive in your own life and that you can connect with people who are different and learn from them. I'm blessed to have coworkers with intellectual disabilities who I see in the office every day. And, you know, I benefit so much from them and the experience and their knowledge and everything that they bring to the office on a daily basis. So while I'd love everyone to join Special Olympics in some way, I think just even that starting point of thinking about how you can connect with someone who's different and how you can make your community, your world more inclusive for people with intellectual disabilities. Great advice. And I agree that that mindset is a benefit for everyone, right? For yourself and for the others that you work with. So I agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining our podcast, Rebecca. And I sure have learned so much and I know our audience has all the best with your work. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time and, and appreciate all your support. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure. <laughs>